0: Into episode 176 of the Source of Say podcast, your go to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Source of Say podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online or by calling 859 543 0700. Exciting news to announce today for our listeners they are offering 20 percent off any whitening treatment to all sources say podcast listeners go to justicedental.com slash sources say to book your appointment today or you can click the link in our show notes i am your host jack pilgrim of kentucky sports radio very happy to be joined
1: once again by the one and only sean smith of go big blue country sean how the heck are you Man, I'm I'm not sure that I've ever heard you that excited to open a podcast. And I mean, it's it's the off season. Like that was the loudest welcome into sources. Say I, I've heard
0: you yell out in a while. It's been a minute, and it was necessary, Sean, because it is McDonald's All American time, and uh, the cats look good. Two wild future Wildcats participated in the prestigious event. Uh, 2022 McDonald's All American Game is a wrap. Caseen Wallace and Chris Livingston representing the Kentucky Wildcats. Sean, it was uh, a very um, different McDonald's All American experience. I believe uh, what you know. Usually, that game, that the practice is building up to it. The you know going up throughout the week. Uh, Those are usually kind of the high profile, what everybody cares about. You know, it's lined with NBA scouts and media members and national guys and so on and so forth. Uh, And and then when the game comes around, the game kind of sucks. You know, the competition isn't there. They're not playing defense. It's basically a a 94 feet uh, layup drill, essentially. That's, That's what it ends up being. This time around, though, Sean. They played defense, they worked their butts off, and it. I I thought it was pretty competitive from start to finish. The score didn't indicate that, but I thought they all played hard. They tried, you know, yeah, you had some, you know, breakaway dunks and 360, you know, some stupid stuff there at the end. But I think when push came to shove, it, it was a pretty uh competitive affair. And gotta be honest, Sean,
1: the cats uh looked mighty, mighty, mighty good. Uh, I thought so, too. I, I didn't get to watch the game. ESPN really messed up the stream for some reason when you're you're trying to stream it, so I, I couldn't find it, but there's a full replay, I guess, is going to be tonight, so I kind of had to just go through the internet, look for some highlights, and, and I made sure that I found highlights of the two guys we're going to talk about, Casey Wallace and Chris Livingston, and Jack, they, they check off all the boxes. Like These are two elite guys coming to Kentucky. I know it's an all-star game. You, you can't get caught up in watching that too much, but I saw some things that really stood out. I, I saw a lot of improvement in the way uh, that they do some things. I know Kaysen's been working on that offensive game and his ball handling and everything. And, but Chris, to me, was the story. Like, Chris Livingston is a piece that ever since last night when I watched those highlight tapes, I, I see a lot to be excited about in his game that if, if he gets to Kentucky and he's used the correct way and they put him in positions to be successful, that's a guy that – can do a lot of things for that team especially if they commit to playing him as a face up four.
0: Yeah, Chris is a dude that I I have been preaching since the first time I saw him, the, since it became uh real that Kentucky was going to be the choice or and, and you know that that Kentucky was a realistic landing spot for him. I, I thought from the start, start that he needed to be a small ball four, and this week at the McDonald's game only solidified that. Uh, before we get into you know scouting reports of both of them, because I, I think we both have interesting takes on both of their games, how they played, how they project at the next level. Uh, just kind of run through their stats real quick. Casein Wallace, uh, he finishes with seven points on three of ten shooting, one for two from three, five rebounds, six assists, one steal, just one turnover uh, in twenty one minutes, and then living. And finishes with 13 points, five of nine shooting, two for four from the three point line. He did go one of seven from the free throw line, which I'm sure that will uh, be music to Kentucky fans' ears uh, in the most sarcastic manner possible. They've already uh, lit me up on Twitter going, Well, guess another year of bad shooting based on one All Star game. So, Uh, That's clearly going well, but he had six rebounds, five assists, two turnovers in 22 minutes. Sean, uh, you bring up Chris Livingston. Yeah, he he was a guy that I think everybody was kind of wanting to see Casein Wallace because uh, you know he we haven't seen him in in super high profile events. Uh, You know, we got to see Chris Livingston at at Hoop Hall Classic and the NIBC events, and uh, you know some of the high profile um, you know kind of high school events, but you know Casean uh, Walls plays locally in Texas for uh, Richardson High School and and you know it's a, it's a solid school but uh, not gonna be playing on ESPN and ESPN two and all the you know live streams on national television, all that stuff. It's just not gonna happen. And and so uh, I think this was an event that a lot of Kentucky fans were excited to see. Casein in particular, but goodness gracious, I thought Chris Livingston played like a, a future pro. I thought he played f- just absolutely incredible basketball. Sean, you talked about him being a, a small ball four. Uh, this is a guy that I think at 6'7", 225 pounds. He's built like a, a tank. He's a mismatch nightmare. Once he gets his legs under him and and, and really gets ahead a, a full head of steam, I think he's one of the most dominant players in high school basketball. And, and I think there's kind of been some issues with motor and uh, you know staying locked in. He kind of fits into the system uh, a little bit too much at times. Kind of kind of uh, is reserved within the offense, uh, which I think that's something a, a habit he'll need to break when he gets to Kentucky. I think he is. When he is engaged, when he commands the ball, when he demands the ball, I think that he's one of the most physically imposing, physically dominant players in high school basketball. And he looked the part uh, against the best of the best in, in high school basketball on the McDonald's All-American stage, Sean. Huh?
1: Yeah, he, he certainly did. And to me, there, there was a lot that I was looking for in, in his game and and where it translates going to the next level. But to me, it started on the defensive end. And I know that's a guy that you mentioned that motor there. I want to see him at Kentucky commit to that end of the floor because Jack, you mentioned his frame. I mean, the size, the the six seven. I think he has the ability to defend one through four if he commits to it and locks in, uh, especially on the perimeter. He, he shows the the quick feet. He has the length to be disruptive at that spot. When you have a guy like that on your team that can defend that many spots with that frame, and you know, those are the guys that do well. Under John Calipari, and and I think that that's the the top. He's he fits the mold for that spot, and I think he could do a lot of damage if he commits to the defensive end of the floor. The offensive game, he hit some open shots from three. I know he struggled at the free throw line, but that wasn't necessarily a problem in high school. I think it was just a bit what under seventy percent maybe this past yeah, he
0: he's a 70% three point uh, free throw shooter and in high profile events he actually shot 80% from the line so yeah. uh, no. that, that that's not something. And, and he is a dude that draws a ton of fouls with the way he plays he's a super physical dude uh, yeah that that's not a, an area of concern yeah. at least uh, in in my eyes
1: no like uh, i'm i'm not too worried about that i, I want to see what that looks like in november december and january i'm not too worried about it right now in late march but uh, the defensive end of the floor, I know that that's something. And that to me, that's the common denominator between both of these guys. Kentuckys might instantly get better on the defensive end with these two step foot on campus because they're they're capable and willing defender. I know Cason Wallace is a willing defender. I want to see Chris get to that point and take on that mentality as he gets to Kentucky and be like, you know what? I can be an elite defender. I can be this small ball four offensively. I can do these things, but he can be a matchup nightmare on both ends of the floor.
0: Yeah, I mean, you saw him uh, locking up Nick Smith Jr., who is a guy that Kentucky fans really wanted at a high school and, uh, you know, kind of seen publicly as one of the best scoring guards in high school basketball, Uh, you, you know, plays point guard, plays that combo guard role, and Chris locked him up. I mean, really. Nick Smith had a, a pretty poor performance. I think he finished something like four for fifteen from the game uh, for the day, and and I, I think Chris guarded him quite a bit. And uh, you know, I, guarding out on the perimeter, yeah, he guards one through four, and and you saw him, you know, the uh, and and passes down low. He was guarding fairly well against the other team's fours. I think he had a couple spot minutes at the five where he was, you know, playing physical basketball and, and defending hard and fighting uh, down in, in the paint as well. He's just a dude that he's going to defend all, every position on the floor out on the perimeter inside he's going to jump the passing lanes he's instinctful uh or instinctive uh, uh, you saw a couple plays that he uh blocked it he blocked one of nick smith's mid-range jump shots and it led to a, a breakaway dunk the other direction then he had another uh he wasn't credited with a steal but he poked a, a ball loose uh led to a, a loose ball and then another breakaway dunk on the other end so this is a dude that uh, really, he's known for kind of his, what he brings offensively and, and attacking the basket, and he's kind of emerging as a, as a jump shooter, really improving on uh, in those areas, you know, ball handling, he's, he's getting more comfortable attacking the basket, you know, kind of uh, attacking off the bounce instead of just kind of a, uh, you know, lob threat, things like that. But I think the thing that stood out the most is easily what he brought on the defensive end. I think it was uh, the best I have seen him uh, in a setting like that in, in a while. You know, he, he's shown flashes of that, but I don't think it's been a, a consistent thing for him. And, and to do that on that stage against, you know, the best of the best in high school basketball, you know, elite ones and twos and threes, uh, I mean, it, it definitely makes you think uh, kind of big picture, man, Cal can get really, really creative if, if he wants to be next next season with what he wants to do uh, with Chris Livingston. I, my ideal uh, role for him is is that small ball four, four but uh, defensively, I mean, you could he's a plug and play. Put him wherever the heck you want, and, and you're going to find success.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, and that's the million-dollar question, right? You know, how does John Calipari choose to use him? And I think that's the thing we're going to be following, and there's – to me, there's two or three different ways. I mean, there's a couple of different ways that you could use him. But to me, you you want him in the open floor. You want him to commit to being an elite defender, which I think he can. If John Calipari's in his ear starting in June thinking, man, you have all the tools to be elite on the defensive end, and that's going to help your draft prospect status and, and everything. And just the elite ability and transition with his size, Jack. He, he just looks comfortable with the ball there. He's really good at getting those shoulders to the rim and finishing through contact. Like This is a weapon Kentucky has uh, coming at that position that if uh, everything goes well and they figure out what is best and where he fits best alongside these other pieces that we know they're going to have, could be a big-time player at Kentucky as a freshman
0: yeah and i don't want him to be uh, so i i interviewed him at the media day uh and asked him you know kind of what role does coach cal envision for you and how what are the conversations you guys have had uh and the names he brought up were uh Mighty interesting. Can't say I agree with them necessarily. Uh, Devin Booker was the first name, and then Hamadou Diallo, of all people. uh, That's the film that John Calipari told him to watch, which is interesting, especially you know Hamadou Diallo in terms of a slasher and an attacker of the basket. That's kind of what he did best at Kentucky. He was not a jump shooter in the slightest, but uh, he was pretty efficient, pretty successful when he was attacking and slashing, so I do understand that, but uh, having him come off screens and kind of a uh, catch and catch and shoot type dude. I mean, if you're gonna have, I, I do not want him to initiate. I don't want him to be a primary ball handler. He's not good enough in that area yet. He's growing. Uh, you know, he used to be turnover prone and really struggled as a ball handler, and, and he has improved in that area. But goodness gracious, he is not an on ball dude. He's not a dude that initiates and and kind of play makes. So I, I really don't want him to be that. But uh, if if you kind of set things up for him as a catch and shoot guy have him come off screens and, and really get some clean looks i do think that he can be efficient uh somewhere in that 35 37 ish percent range from from 3 i think that's more than plenty uh for what he can be he shot 33% from high school to, uh, from 3 in high school i think it was 24 of 72 his attempts as a senior so uh you know strong uh numbers you know you, you want better but it, you know it wasn't abysmal i mean he, it was kind of that happy you know Knocking down one of three attempts, it really uh, isn't awful, and you'll take that at this next stage. So uh, he'll need to improve from that area. But I just think, man, if you can get him on those corners, is it, if, if Cal truly wants to be that small ball, uh, four-out offense, if you could put him on either the, the left or right corner where you can get him in catch and shoot situations but more importantly in in opportunities to drive that baseline and attack and, and finish at the rim i mean i think that really really opens things up uh, opens things up no matter who they sign at center if oscar comes back uh for his uh, senior season i think if 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 you want him if you want spacing having chris livingston as your small ball four is the perfect perfect answer
1: yeah, and you mentioned that three point percentage and I could see that number climbing at Kentucky just because of the better shot attempts and the, you know, more uh when it comes to uh the the shots that you're taking, the quality shots you're taking and, and stuff like that, when he gets amongst you know better players and players that have played at this level and at a high level in college basketball I think that that's a number that you could see climb on its own but what did you think about his ability getting downhill going behind his back and then getting to those shoulders and finishing at the rim like when he gets downhill there's not much you can do inside of eight nine ten feet well look
0: uh, where is he from Akron Ohio who is his biggest role model in life LeBron James he is a baby LeBron a uh, again he is not (laughs) let's make it very, very clear. I'm not saying he's the next Hall of Fame wing and and, and NBA superstar, but, you can clearly tell that that's who he models his game after that guy that once he can, if he can turn that corner, beat you off the dribble and attack and finish through traffic and finish, uh, you know, draw fouls, finish through contact. That's, that's his bread and butter. That's where he is at his best is when he's attacking, when he's fighting through contact. Uh, He's, he's truly elite in that area. And I think that's kind of what separates him from anybody in the class. There's not another dude like him in the class. There's just not, you know, I like Jarris Walker, He's kind of a similar ish type guy, you know, kind of that thicker you know, three or four uh, versatile guy. But I think in terms of what Chris Livingston does at his best, I just don't think there's anybody in, in high school basketball that can match that. I think that's why he's projected as that top 10 recruit. Uh, you know, some he, his stock kind of fell just a little bit. It's kind of been up and down, you, you, depending on who you look at. You know, he's as low as like 19 overall, as high as like number five overall. He's kind of all all across the board is, because of those motor issues. I was about of, to ask
1: you. Is the motor the biggest yeah. reason for that?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think he's a dude that when he fits into the, he, he, he fits into his role very, very well, almost too well. Uh, you know, he plays the, at Oak Hill. It was incredibly, incredibly coached where, you know, I, there are times that I really wish that he took games over and he just doesn't. And there are times that I, I even asked about uh, his, his coach, Steve Smith, uh, who's now retiring at Oak Hill. I asked him about it at, at Hoopaw. I said, you know, what is it about Chris that, he kind of tends to disappear at times. He said he's a team player. He's a dude that fits into the offense and he's not going to try to do too much. And he he tries to play it safe. And I understand why he's doing that. It's because he's playing for a national powerhouse and they're trying to win games. But me selfishly speaking, I want to see him take games over. I want him to see, I, I want him to play bully ball and take things over. And we saw that a little bit last year on that three SSB Adidas circuit uh, I think it, at his best, he does that on a, on a regular basis, but it's just too inconsistent for me for my liking right now. And I think that's what a lot of the uh, major analysts think. They just think he disappears too often and kind of plays within the role, of, uh, within his role and plays within the offense a little too much and plays it safe a little too much. Uh, and I think that's kind of why he's got a little bit of a knock on his game. Uh, but, man, when when he's engaged and he's locked in and he's he's up in your face defending and he's – uh, attacking the basket and playing through contact. That that one play you're talking about, where he goes behind the back uh, and he really fights through, and he kind of has that double pump um, and one finish. And that was like that's that's a pro move. Like that's that is something that he will be able to do at Kentucky every single game. Draw a million fouls.
1: Now he just has to make the freaking free throws. Yeah, and and then you mentioned to me before we started recording, there there will be some offensive fouls mixed in with his game, especially early as aggressive and maybe out of control at at times. So that's something that I'm sure Cal will be pulling his hair out about, but you kind of want to let him play through that and then channel that and kind of figure out how to get under control. Maybe is this a guy that as he gets better handling the ball, maybe he kind of distributes and and gets things and gets shots for other guys too when he requires so much attention. Like there's a lot to like about his game that when it gets polished, you can see a, a pretty complete player on both ends of the floor at the at the three or the four spot, depending on how well he continues to shoot the ball, how strong his ball handling is with both hands and things like that. But I see a really good frame, a really talented player with the chance to be good on both ends of the floor in time.
0: Yeah. I I uh, it, yeah, I, ha- I have my concerns, and you and I've made them very public and and acknowledged them. And and I do think that's going to be something we deal with at times. There are going to be times, you know, kind of the same argument we have about Keon Brooks at times, where we go, "Dude, we need you to step up. We need you to take 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 that next step up." And and uh, it, you know, that's kind of been one of the most frustrating parts of him. And I do think that's going to be something we deal with uh, at, w- with him at Kentucky. But man, I just think that. Uh, when push comes to shove he's going to figure it out and he's going to figure out a way to, to stay uh at that 110% more often than not and and I think uh that that's when we're going to see him at his best.
1: And I know that we have no idea who's going to be at that fourth spot at Kentucky like in and or you know at that forward spot but to me is Chris a guy that needs to start or is he a guy that you could see hey the beginning of the year comes off the bench and then kind of earns whatever role he has? Like what do you think needs to be the scenario for him to kind of prosper and kind of grow at Kentucky? Like what will like what's that role you see in November? And I know we're so far away from knowing who's on the roster, but what does he need to thrive?
0: Well well the issue with you know guys like Bryce Hopkins and Damian Collins this year is you know Bryce Hopkins was out of shape and yeah. uh, you know had defensive lapses and and kind of uh, you know, let little things slip by and, and really got, it really hurt him. And, you know, offensively he was, you know, inconsistent and all that, that kept him off the floor. Damian Collins, he was just thrown around too often, just wasn't, didn't weigh enough, really physically was not there. I don't think we're going to see either of those. Like he, I think Chris Livingston's a very high IQ basketball player. He's, you know, I think if he has lapses, it's because he's letting his foot off the gas more than than it being a fundamental issue uh, that he has. And and I I think uh, physically he is clearly there. So you're not going to have a Damian Collins issue with him where uh, you can't put him on the floor early because he's just physically not ready yet. He He's built for college day one. And I do think that that's going to put him on the floor earlier rather, than, you know, sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, that's why there, there was so much talk with Ty Ty Washington early is you know yeah he had the skill and he had the you know finishing ability and and three level shooting and scoring and all that stuff but kind of what made him uh, so, you know, college ready is because he he's physically, you know, he's a stout kid. He's strong and 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 built for college. There wasn't a, uh, you know, a, a Ryan Harrow issue with him where he was super thin and kind of bound, got thrown uh, off his spots and all that stuff. Like he's a dude that that he, that he physically held his own. And I think that's something that Chris Livingston is going to be able to do from that three or four spot, hoping, uh, hopefully that four spot. Uh, I think he's just a mismatch nightmare. I think he's a dude that he's, he's, uh, he matches is uh, the opposition at the four in, in terms of like size and length and strength. But I think he is more skilled and a better shooter and a better ball handler than other guys at that four position in college. I think that's where, that's why I hope Cal puts him uh, at that small ball four role. And I, I think that's why he's going to, uh, w- where he would thrive and, and play the best just because he, he can be such a clear mismatch. He's a, a tweener in the best way at the college level, yeah. I think.
1: I agree with that. I think that that's spot on analysis with him and uh, definitely excited to see what he does over the summer and then into that freshman year at Kentucky. But man, I, I think all the tools are there for him to be very, very good.
0: Yeah, and the other player, Casey Wallace, we we talked through his numbers, you know, didn't shoot it extremely well, three for 10 from the field. But uh, again, it was another day at the office, seven points, uh, I believe six rebounds, five or or six assists, five rebounds, you know, uh, another well-rounded performance again very very high level defender active I think he can guard one through three uh, I think offensively he has grown so much in, in terms of a shooter and ball handler uh you know it, the issue with him early Sean was that he was clearly gifted you know he could finish well. Um, High-level defender, active. He's a he's a winner. He's a competitor. He's gonna die for loose balls. He just makes winning plays, uh, and that's why he was ranked so high early. But he was raw. He couldn't shoot. His ball handling wasn't great. Uh, he was kind of one of those, you know, sh- too short to be a three uh but wasn't gifted enough to uh, to to be a, a one in terms of ball handling and really not the best shooter as a two either so it's kind of where does he fit in he needs to play because he brings so many good things to the table but what exactly does he do best and where do you put him and i think as he's grown and as he you know he's now 6'4" 185-190ish pounds so uh, you know built building up on that size his shot, his shot form is, is beautiful now. He's knocking down shots consistently. Uh, his finishing ability at the rim is very nice. And, you know, he is growing as an on ball, uh, like playmaker and initiator. Still still some work to be done as a ball handler, but definitely growing in that area. I am getting more and more confident in his game as, a, you know, one through three, kind of that Isaiah Briscoe 2016 17 year where, you know, he may have to play minutes at the three because you have a guy like, you know, De'Aaron Fox and, and Malik Monk at the one and two. He may have to be a two. Too, because uh, you know you don't have a guy in that position capable, or you know CJ Frederick needs a break, or whoever the, they add in the transfer portal, whatever. He's a guy that I am very confident can give you anything one through three on both ends of the floor, and I think that's why uh, he's going to be so valuable from day one. I just think he's a you know he's not uh, he's not he, he's not great at
1: any one thing, Sean, but I think he's very good at everything, and that's why he's so valuable. Yeah, he, he is, and you know, I was talking to you about Casein before we started recording. And the thing that stands out to me about his game is him finishing off two feet at the rim. And I teach going off of two feet. I don't teach going off one foot because, to me, you're you're more balanced. You're able to finish through contact. You're more explosive there. That's what I've always taught. And every time I look at highlights of him, he is finishing off two feet, whether it's with his right hand. Or with his left hand i think you're more under control and that's what i see i see a guy with the ball even though to me like his strength is right now is off the ball and, and and being there on the perimeter but when he has the ball and he's getting downhill he gets to his spots well but then when he's there he finishes under control that's the biggest thing about his offensive game with me on on the defensive end my goodness like that's a guy that's going to take on the best perimeter player on the opposing team Probably thirty-one times during the regular season, so they play thirty-one regular season games. <laughs> so that's 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 how I see it, and uh, just the ability to guard one through three there and take on the challenge at, at that spot. That that's going to be a guy that's going to change the tone on the perimeter for Kentucky, and I think it's an upgrade from what they had this past season on on both ends, honestly.
0: Look, this is a dude that he is an instant fan favorite from day one. He is a guy that he is going to give everything he has. He's a dude, and I've I've said I've used this kind of analogy. You know, he he's the dog. Everybody says they're a dog. This is a dude. He will eat food off the floor. He is going to punch his brother in the face if that's what it takes to win a game. He does not care. He is a dude that will put it all on the line. To do whatever it takes to win a basketball game uh that is that is a dude that i i think he's going to play from day one i think he's gonna play a ton of minutes Uh, i talked to uh uh jonathan gavoni at espn at at hoop hall you know just kind of going through the roster who they were adding he said that's a dude that cal is going to want to play for 40 minutes a game he cal will not want to take him off the floor because he does everything you know well to pretty well to very well Not nothing great. You know, he's not a great shooter, not a great ball handler, not a great finisher, but he does everything very well. Uh, It it just, just, you know, he he, there's not a a clear hole in his game. There's not one thing that you can say, ah, that's what's going to limit him at the next level. Uh, I think that's kind of what why he is such a high floor. Uh, I I think he may have a lower ceiling because he's not overly athletic, not explosive, Uh, All those things, but he is a very high floor because he just does so many things well. It's very hard to see him fail at the next level. And I think you saw exactly him at his worst, quote unquote, three of 10 shooting, you know, uh, not overly uh, assertive and aggressive, but. He'll go out there and give you seven, six, and five and, and a couple steals. Like That's exactly what Casey Wallace is going to give you. And if that's kind of his worst and kind of the average output of what he's going to give you Kentucky, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure as heck excited to see him at his best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you talk about what he adds to the roster on the defensive end, we already talked about Chris' potential there on that end of the floor as well. That, that was an area that Kentucky significantly struggled in in March and in late February. And ultimately, it cost them their season, I think that John Calipari is going to get back to being that elite defensive team next year with these two pieces being added. What happens with Jacob Toppin? We still want to see what happens in the backcourt. Do they go get a rim protector in the portal? Like what happens with Oscar? Not not really sure. There's still a lot of dominoes to fall. But these two coming in, those are two dudes that could really set the tone on that end of the floor. We know Kaysen's going to commit to it. Will Chris commit to it as well? But, man, Kaysen, that's a guy that – arguably will be one of the better two-way players in college basketball from night one just because of his willingness to defend and then his offensive package as well and how strong and aggressive he is. Yeah I'm just hey, there's
0: that was the dude that you just you had to get in the in this recruiting class. This is a dude that you had to know, Okay, you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. Let's build around him. Let's build a roster kind of he he is just such a complimentary piece that you can put 1 through 3, uh, it doesn't matter what you do. You know exactly what you're going to get whenever he goes and uh, steps onto the floor and I think that is just such a valuable thing especially for uh you know, after such per, you know, serious perimeter issue defend uh, d- issues this season with in terms of perimeter d- defense. Having a dude that you know exactly what he's going to give you in terms of being a perimeter defender, I think there's just so much value in that, and it's going to be a huge step up. I think I just don't think anybody on this roster uh, is is was capable of do, is capable of doing well, what Casey's is able to give you.
1: And there there were a couple of guys late this year that virtually became unplayable, but you didn't really have many options to do like. Davion Mintz was an awful defender down the stretch for Kentucky. That's no secret. We've talked about it. We've shown it on clip. Uh, even Kellen Grady, late in the year, started breaking down defensively. Grady was a guy that if he's what wasn't hitting shots, he had to be a capable defender, and that kind of crashed and burned with the shot down the stretch. Same thing with Davion, not, not hitting shots, not defending. Kaysen is a defensive first guy. like That guy and that mentality, being a two-way player, it's not going to travel like the, the missed shots aren't going to travel to the other end of the floor. Like last night, he's three of 10, but you still saw him in an all star setting, getting up, defending pick and rolls, you know, mushing the basketball, things like that on the <laughs> defensive end of the floor. That is something that's going to stick every single night that you play. And I think that that mentality, I think it's infectious in your locker room. I think it uh, kind of flows throughout your team. And I think that's going to set the tone for a lot of these guys in the backcourt, depending on who's on the roster. I, I really like the defensive talent that I'm already seeing added from the high school route. Now I want to see what they do portal and who returns.
0: Well, and the issue is, uh, look, this, this is no secret. This is something we've talked about on the show several times, both publicly, you know, publicly talked about it privately, t- I've, you know, written about it, tweeted about it, all that. Uh, Nick Smith is a guy that, that wanted to be at Kentucky. He that Kentucky was his dream school from the start. They offered him uh, and if they, you know, kind of zeroed in on him as their go-to guy, he would have committed. Uh, and it kind of came down to a Cason Wallace versus Nick Smith situation after Peach Dam. They offered both and it became a, not necessarily even who's going to commit first. It was a you know, what are we going to value more? Do we want defense? Do we want winning? Do we want kind of that competitive spirit? Or do we want to, you know, one of the best scorers in high school basketball? Do we want a guy that is going to go out and, you know, potentially give you 30 points? Kaysen's not that guy. You know, he he might give you eight, eight and eight one game, and he might give you even, you know, 17 points and five rebounds, five assists, whatever. But uh, he's not a dude that's just going to just explode for 30 points on any given night. Nick Smith is that guy. And had things gone differently with Sky Clark, and had they cut ties with him early, and that relationship uh, kind of resolved itself earlier, and 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 uh, he had he had backed away from his his recruitment, or the injury hadn't happened, uh, there are a bunch of different ways uh, it could have gone. But had things gone the way they ended up being with Sky Clark earlier, then UK likely gets both, and that I think that's kind of the heartbreaking side of this is now you're still looking in case Shaden Sharp leaves you. There's a very clear hole missing in this Kentucky roster in terms of a go-to, do-whatever-it-takes score. Uh, I don't know if that guy is 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 there right now. I mean, uh, we saw Kellen Grady hit the portal, and there's going to be a ton of high-level guys hit the portal. They're going to find a scorer. Uh, but, man, y- y- watching that game last night, even though Nick Smith went 4-for-15 or whatever it was, you saw a lot of the things he did really, really well, and it did make you kind of think big-picture. Big man, seeing him alongside... Uh, Case and Wallace would have been the dream scenario. And then you bring back a guy like, you know, say Shaden Sharp decides to return. You have those three side by side. That was, I think that was the dream scenario for Kentucky that unfortunately we won't be able to see.
1: Yeah, that that is very unfortunate. And, and now after seeing Case and, and Chris, and I mean, obviously we've all been on board wanting to see Shaden Sharp return. I don't, I don't think anyone's sitting here going, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want to see that. But after I saw the potential that those two have, I really hope we get to see Shaden in a Kentucky jersey because when you put him with those two, yeah, like right now the recruiting class, it's not at the top, but Shaden's a big part of that. When Shaden was a part of this class, it was towards the top. Now that he's already on UK's roster, it's a two-man class, but it's a really good two-man class. If if Shaden's a part of it, my goodness, but that's the decision I'm waiting on, right? There's two decisions. What happens with Oscar? What happens with Shaden? Those are the two that kind of determine where Kentucky goes in the portal, if Oscar returns, Jack, I think there's a scenario where they don't even add a big to the roster other than, you know, whatever Livingston does at the 3-4. The I could see them going all in with in, with and if Lance is back and then Oscar's back. But if Oscar leaves, they're certainly going portal. Same thing in the backcourt. I, regardless of whether Sharp's on the roster or not, I think they're going to hit the backcourt in the portal.
0: Yeah, and I guess uh, now would be a nice time to address this because there it is, I think, something of substance worth keeping an eye on. Um, uh, I don't know if if our listeners were paying attention and, and reading along with us on our live blog last night during the McDonald's game. That was a lot of fun. I mean, shoot it, Sean, at one point we had as many as the 400, 500 people on, uh, asking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions, pages <laughs> and, and pages and pages. It was exhausting, but an absolute and, blast. I loved and it. Every if second anyone,
1: and if anyone's wondering where I was for the first hour, it's because Jack put me in this thing and I did not know what I was doing and I'm trying to quote everything. And I'm like, burning to the ground over here I had no clue how to use the blog but then I, by the time i figured it out I think jack had already answered probably 500 questions so who who am i
0: <laughs> no but it was it was a lot of fun and, and you know it's a process I, I was the same way when i first uh did it but it's a cool little format where you can kind of talk to uh fans and and you know answer questions answer you know kind of just it's like a nice one-on-one conversation with the fan base and it's i i just really like that format and uh, it kind of made it a a a kind of a lesser platform rather than like putting reports out on 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 the website or even saying things on this podcast it was kind of you know one hitters yeah here's what i'm thinking about this you didn't have to dive too much into any one thing it was just kind of a uh, you know, here I'm was, hearing this. I'm hearing this about this guy, this guy, rapid this guy, so on
1: forth. Yeah, it was just rapid fire answering questions and really good. Like that was, and it didn't even seem like it was two hours. It felt like it was thirty minutes. Like that—that's how quickly it went by. But no, you answered a lot of good stuff. Zach answered a lot of good stuff. I chimed in on some stuff with the roster. I thought it was really cool, and I, I think we should do a couple of those as the roster starts to play out during the spring and into the into May.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I asked, uh, some people, uh, obviously a lot of people asked about the shade and sharp thing. And they, I asked, I, you know, I talked about, uh, the whole roster really, I mean, different, different players, different, uh, recruits, different transfer portal options. If you have it, if you didn't, uh, see that you can go back and just scroll through, I, I'm going to make it hard on you. And I mean, there's 10 pages worth of stuff. If you want the, uh, if you want it, go, you, you can go work for it. Just going through and, and, and putting a, you know, kind of a play by play of what all happened would take, five months to finish. So um, yeah, if you, if you miss that, go find it. But I will, I do think it's fair to uh, address the big uh, situation that we talked about. And that's with Shaden and sharp and that there is, um, you know, even going into the week, I, I wasn't overly optimistic, you, you know, the last couple of weeks, I had heard that NBA scouts maybe weren't as high on Shaden's game as I, I think some of even the mock drafts. The mock drafts have him anywhere from five to seven-ish, eight-ish, or whatever. Uh, I talked to a couple people the last couple weeks, and and they talked about it. You know I, I don't think that uh, teams are very comfortable taking him that high. They, they would be more comfortable taking him in that 11, 12, 13-ish range because uh, th- that top five, top six – that's where, like, you know, jobs are made, made or, or broken in the NBA. That's where team, teams get fired, you know, GMs get fired, coaches get fired. Those are the, like, high-profile decisions that uh, if you screw up on draft picks and you're in a rebuild or, you, you know, those are the cornerstone pieces that you absolutely have to get right. And if you mess it up, you're screwed. And they don't want to risk a dude that has not played a minute of, of college basketball that, the most we've seen him was in a two-week bubble setting at the at the Peach Jam again against the best co- competition in, in high school basketball, but in a different setting. Uh, you know, no fans involved. Haven't gotten to see him. You know, he played on the grind session uh, for for Dream City, kind of a, a shortened season. Didn't play a, enough games. The sample the sample size just hasn't been a ton. And as much as they love what he is as a three-level scorer and what he can be as a shooter and as a as a pure scorer, I, I do think that there are some concerns. And, uh, there's, they're more inclined to take him 11, 12, 13 than four five or six. And I think the money difference, I, I did the math on it last night. The first, if you go number one, it's like a $9.5 million day one deal, um, a, 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 in year one. And I think the 10th pick, even it drops all the way down to like 3 million. So I mean that's a 6 million dollar difference between your you know pick 1 and pick 10 and Cal is essentially recruiting him back saying look let's come back let's build your body let's let's grow your game and come back and be the number one pick and be an a surefire fire superstar get a uh, the contract that everybody thinks you can get uh, and kind of be this be you know take this game over and i think there's a lot of branding situation issues that Uh, You know, I think there's a lot of pressure on him in Canada to kind of be the face of Canadian basketball. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of pressure on this kid to be the next superstar. And I think that is – I don't want to say he's leaning toward coming back, but it makes the possibility of coming back much more likely. I'd still – I put it on the blog last night. I'd put it at like 45% he comes back. But before, it was like 15%. I was like, man, there's just no way a top 10 – uh, pick turn a uh, uh, kid that may go top ten is going to turn down the possibility of of uh, going that high in the draft. But I think uh, it's kind of starting to set in a little bit that teams aren't as high on him as of right now uh, as the, as they could be, and they're they're kind of pushing him just a little bit to go um, to to return to school. And I think that is making me feel at least a little bit better about the possibility
1: of Shaden returning again. Not great odds but it's at least more optimistic than I was shoot even a week ago. And workouts won't change that, right? Because there's obviously that five-on-five that five setting and, and seeing him in action at the collegiate level or, or somewhere prior to the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've seen him do all that. They know he can make uh,
0: a, a – Crap ton of jump shots, and that he can make threes and knock yeah. down half court jumpers. That that like it's his job, and like they know he can do all those things, but they haven't seen it in a live setting. And when you're in that position, you're drafting that high. It's a you have to get that pick right, or you're screwed. And you know you you've seen dudes like. Dragon Bender and all these, you know, random guys. That uh, small sample size. You think, man, if he can become this, then he could be a superstar in a couple years. And you just kind of think big and dream big, uh, and then they end up being busts, and then you lose your
1: job. At that spot, think- you're not drafting on if. Like that's that's the thing, right? You got to take if out of. It. You're drafting on what you see and what you know
0: yeah and that's that's what the issue is right now with nba teams they like him and they know that he could be that down the road and and you know if they're if they're, you know, betting on it, then yeah, they 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 would like to think that he would be that down the road. But it's just because the sample size is so small with him, you haven't gotten to see him against in against college talent. It's just such a crapshoot. He didn't even play internationally. He didn't even play yeah. for the G League. He didn't play in any of these settings where they can get their eyes on him. The last time they got to see him with their own two eyes was a two week bubble setting in, in the, the peach jam they you know, and that they, they, there, it wasn't over a, a few weeks span where you could see clear growth or a couple months span where you could see clear growth. And, you know, that, that's such valuable time for these, uh, for these scouts, because, you know, they see them in, in early April and they go, okay, this is how he's looking right now. And then they see him again in late July, early August. And it's like, whoa, I mean, in four months, this kid has gone from a uh, front, I mean, shoot, Shaden Sharp, last year, it was the same situation. He went from being a top 85 recruit in high school uh, in last, you know, April or whatever, and then by Peach Jam, because he had such a great two-week event, he jumped up to be the number one recruit in, in high school basketball. And and it, and the, it makes sense looking at it from between the jump between there and, and, and then. But the sample size is still just so small because you didn't see the continued growth. It was what you saw in one event and then what you saw three months later in the next event. So I, I think that's the push and shove that NBA teams are dealing with trying to figure out who is this kid? What can he be? Uh, and is he risk? Is he worth the risk right now that uh, he may? you know yeah he could be the next Bradley Beal he could be the next fill in the blank you know surefire superstar in the league but he could also be Malik Monk who is you know was he's been a solid pro and he's he's kind of emerged but I think everybody could admit that he has had an underwhelming pro career and you don't want to risk a top five pick on Malik Monk. You know, he, he just hasn't been that guy. And I think that those are the questions that they want answered. Is he top 15 material or is he truly top three top three draft pick
1: material? And I think one year of college would uh, definitely solidify that one way or the other. And now the important thing for Kentucky's side of this and the fans that listen to our show, Jack, is how soon do we get that announcement? Because it's pretty impactful to what Kentucky can be next year, not only what they can be, but what do they need to do if Shaden leaves? Like that feels like that decision needs to be made for Kentucky's sake sooner rather than later. Yeah,
0: and it's a it's a very scary situation because if you. Again, bet on it and hope for the best. And he screws you in. I think June first is the withdrawal date. If he screws you on June or on, you know, the the midnight the day before, then you're screwed. The all the high profile scoring portal options are gone, and then you're left with nothing. And I think that is a an absolute nightmare scenario then you just got to kind of bank on a reclass kid from uh the class of 2023 or you know whatever it's just a a really really uh, scary situation for Kentucky that it could either I I don't remember the last time a Kentucky team has it been in such a wide range of this team can either be a preseason number one program or they could be unranked going into the preseason like the, the, i don't remember a time where there's been such a wide range based on just a a very select few draft decisions and transfer decisions and i it's a very a, a very uh, difficult situation to be in if you're john calipari coming off of uh the the two years the 2021 season where they went 9 and 16 and then the St. Peter's loss the next year. It's a very difficult situation
1: for a dude that's in de- in uh, desperate need for some yeah, uh, I mean, tournament success. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's what makes it so complicated right now is because it, it's not like you're coming off a Final Four appearance or a national championship. You're literally coming off of a 9-16 and 16 year and then an elimination in the first round of 15 seed in St. Peter's. Like, there's desperation mode right now, and I'm sure that Cal's feeling that desperation. Like The fan base – it's not getting quieter, Jack. It, it's still pretty pretty loud. Like when it comes to what they want to see and and that things need to be different next year. You you know that that Cal knows that this fan base is definitely not settled after the way that the season ended. They're paying attention to everything that's going on right now. Guys hitting the portal, you got fans going, "Don't want that guy because he's a 16-17% three-point shooter," which I do agree with. And you got other guys going to the portal thinking, "Okay, that guy's got to be priority number one. Like, there's a lot of people paying attention to this right now because it is a very, very important spring and summer for this program.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> this is a, a a select few decision. Oscar, Oscar, and Shaden comes back, and I think the Bahamas trip is sold out. I think everybody buy, buys their tickets to London. I think the excitement is back at an all time high. They go, all right, let's let's hit a race on the last two years. Forget it. Let's build on what was good about last season. You know, the, the North Carolina win, the Kansas win, the Tennessee win at home. Let's build on those moments and add to them. Let's continue what worked then and then b- make that even stronger. Let's get, you know, Oscar back in, in, in the fold. Let's get Shaden ramped up to be the a, a true college basketball superstar. Let's, you know, let's see what happens with Xavier Wheeler. Let's see uh, how Damian Collins grows. grows. But you you feel confident in that roster if you get those two back. Even if you get one of them back, if you have a guy like Shaden back, you know that you're going to get a, a 15 to 20 point per game score that uh, you feel very confident confident building a, a roster around. Uh, if you get Oscar Sheboy back, then you know what? You have a national player of the year back and, and you can build around him as well. It's a lot easier, uh, a, a lot less pressure on Cal's shoulders to build a roster when you have a, an anchor like Oscar Sheboy down low, uh, a guarantee you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. You miss both of them, then it, it's scary. It's, a, it's an awful situation and it's one that I just don't see a an avenue out that, uh, that is uh, a pleasant one, one that makes me overly uh, enthusiastic. Thinking, okay, well, there's your number one team, uh, there's your number one seed, there's your title contender, there's your Final Four contender. It's a very difficult situation if you lose both of those dudes, and uh, um, I'm sure Cal is uh, feeling the same way in terms of nervousness slash, you know, kind of stress level and 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 trying to figure out how to go about. You know, because he has to navigate the transfer portal right now. He has to figure out who he wants to add or, you know, looking at 2023 reclass candidates. Do I even like any of these kids? And, you know, there's a lot of a a lot of things up in the air right now that uh, we just won't get figured out until Oscar and Shaden make their decisions.
1: Yeah. And I've got all those guys on notifications on social media, (laughs) as I'm sure everyone in Big Blue Nation (laughs) does. Every time Oscar tweets out something, I'm thinking, is this the moment? Is this it? And then it's just Oscar being Oscar, just being wholesome as he always is.
0: Yep i uh, I am hoping so. I, th- I think we're on the home stretch. I think we're going to figure out officially that uh, Oscar will be the consensus national player of the year uh, very shortly. So uh, uh, definitely, definitely exciting on his front. But but man, it's uh, after after we officially move past this season, I think uh, he'll get named national player of the year officially at the Final Four this year. Um, uh, a, a, or this weekend rather. And then from there, I think it's going to be nonstop stress for Kentucky fans for, uh, at least a, fu- a couple weeks. And, uh, uh, I can't, I can't say that
1: I won't be stressed either. Yeah. I'm, I'm stressed out. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I'm sure everyone else is too. I'm no, I'm just kind of just wondering when the first domino falls that really makes an impact like that's the one I'm waiting on because there's there's going to be one that kind of sets the ball in motion, and, and that's the big one. Whichever one it is, that's when things get moving. You know, we're recording talking about the McDonald's All-American game, but pretty soon we're going to be recording weekly, it feels like, maybe more than once a week kind of taking you through these roster moves and, and what we expect to happen, what needs to happen. We know Kentucky's going to be active in the portal. There's a lot to play out, and it's uh, been two weeks And uh, not a whole lot of movement yet, so we're still waiting on that big one to fall. Yeah,
0: and uh, we'll be here whenever that day comes. But until then, let's get out of here with one final message from our friends at Prize Picks. We are in the home stretch of the NBA season, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports, and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict that they will go over or under their projection. Price Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. Download the Price Picks app or visit prizepix.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that the, that's the PrizePix app or PrizePicks.com using promo code Pilgrim to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Sean Smith, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find
1: your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry.
0: Find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another jam packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.